0: Well, we are, uh, first of all, just delighted to be here. We're very excited when we had plans to come to the Seattle area because we know people and have friends and people such as that. The Taylors, for example, are very close friends of ours. We Actually have invaded their home right now, driving their car. Uh, they wanted to send their dog with us, but we said no. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> but we're just real excited to be here. Like I say, I met, met Dan first. and. Jesse came to our my home, our home, and we had a great time. Just you guys are really blessed with great leaders, uh, your whole team here. So what an honor. <clears throat> this morning, the word I have on my heart is going to come out of Genesis chapter sixteen. This is the story of Hagar. Now let me give you a little background to Hagar and her story. It starts with the famous people, the famous couple, Abraham and Sarah. As you know, the story of Abraham and Sarah is that God, for years and years and years and years and years, and years, kept promising that they would have a child. And that, in fact, they'd be the father of many nations, of many people. And that went on for years and years and years. Anybody ever relate to that? The promises go on for years and years. Anyways, um... And so at some point, uh, Sarah gets, she's so discouraged that she cannot have a child. Now they're getting old, and she comes up with a, a, a solution that comes right out of apparently that culture at that time. And that is essentially having a proxy child. And what they would do is Sarah, Hagar was an Egyptian young lady who was a slave of theirs. And so she was part of their group. And so Sarah has this plan. And she comes to Abraham and says, look, what we're going to do is, according to custom, if, if my servant is, uh, is your wife and she has the baby on my knees or something like that, if I'm there when that baby's born, yeah, I can call it like it's my baby. Abraham, like most guys, said, okay. Uh, you know, and uh, anyways, and so this happens. Um, pretty soon, Hagar is pregnant. And in the story, again, let's, let's get the context, for because I want to talk about Hagar. Hagar is in this wealthy family. She is a servant girl. She's been told what she's going to do. She's going to be the surrogate mother of the heir of the household. And in that culture also, it was in tremendous glory and honor to have a child. It, was, that's, you know, it, was, it still is, but in the culture, it was if you didn't have a child, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, what's happened to me? And so you would be disgraced, and particularly an heir, not to be able to give an heir to the family. And so, uh, and so Hagar now is pregnant with the head man's baby, and she is, essentially has what she thinks is going to be the heir. And so she starts kind of glorying in that and, and, and feeling so honored and blessed well, Sarah takes it. Are you following this? Yeah. This has been a series on TV for a while. No, it hasn't. But it, it sounds like one, doesn't it? Like, follow the characters here, okay? And now, so, so, I mean, this is straight Bible we're talking here. I'm not making this story up. And, but, so, <clears throat> so now what happens? Sarah hears Hagar gloating, rejoicing, being happy. And takes it as she's ditzing her. And she is furious. That is not how the plan was supposed to go. I don't know what she wanted, Hagar, I guess just to be super humble and never admit it was her child. But now I love this. This is a great verse. Guys, you'll love this. Uh, In fact, in our home, Becky has come up with this saying I'm not saying it's your fault, I'm saying I'm blaming you. (laughs) Um, And so here's what happens. Uh, So, come on. Verse 5 of Genesis 16. This is Abraham, what he's faced with. Then Sarai said to Abraham, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong. You are me. Abraham, true to his character, which is avoid the conflict at all costs, (laughs) responds like a true wise man, leader of his home. Your servants is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. Now that's we could go into that. That's a whole you know like where's the leader here? All this? No, no. Your problem. You deal with it. I authorize you to handle this problem, and she does. And so, unfortunately, she mistreats Hagar so intensely that Hagar runs away. Okay, that's the backdrop of the story. So now this young servant girl who is pregnant has been so abused and so mistreated that she is going to run away into the deserts. Hagar. Hagar. And I, I love this because Hagar, to me, represents so many people. In fact, she probably represents too many people who are, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to use the word, who are victimized by authority and by leaders. Or are just, through no really fault of their own, maybe, okay, I, I ridiculed the owner. You know. Okay, I made fun of the head of the house. Okay, so, you know, do I deserve all this? And maybe we could call it the exaggerated penalty or judgment for something that doesn't deserve what it got. And maybe right in here in this room, there's, I'm sure, some of us who could say, Whoa, if you're going to put Hagar in that context, I can relate. Maybe you're in that situation right now where you're, you're, you're living your life like Hagar, it got so bad. It got so intense that you're suffering things that, you know, I've been at this so long that I've heard so many stories that break your heart. And you sit there and you go, they did what to you? They said, what? They handled that how? And you, 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 you just, how, would, how could anyone do that to someone? Uh, but that leaves people broken. Leaves people deeply wounded. At least people mistrusting. It makes it. it, it, Many people are in church, are not in church today, not because they're heathen, but because they were wounded. And the shepherd abused them, or the leaders abused them, or the the goats in the flock bit them. You know, whatever Uh, sheep do terrible things to sheep. But even in life, we don't even, not within the church even, obviously that happens over and over and over. Now, what what we're going to look at is how God responds to Hagar. I think it's one of the most tender stories in the Bible, and there's many of them. Uh, How does God respond in the soap opera? What does he do when he steps into the drama? So we end verse 7, I think it's verse 7, then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So we pick this up, verse 7 actually, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Uh, that is really should be, could be the opening verse of the story. The angel of the Lord. Now, the angel of the Lord is at least, from the research I was able to do, and other smart people who have told me, is is could be anywhere from a, a Jesus appearing as the angel of the Lord, or certainly what they call a theophany, which means we don't know exactly what to call it, but it's called God showed up to me. So this angel of the Lord is not just. It seems to be more than just an angelic apparition because of the of the authority with which. He speaks to her, and then later, the way she speaks about him, and he lets her. But anyway, so, so let's just say God, very much in the representation of a Jesus character, finds her. Finds her. I would bet in the spirit of sharing the grace and the miracles of God, there's several in the room that you would say, that's how my testimony starts. Jesus found me. Anybody, Jesus found me's here? You were out, messed up, messing up. Some of you were looking for God. Some of you were running from God. And he found you. That's the first thing you need to know. You're never really out of his sight. And he knows how to find you. Parents, grandparents, he knows where your kids and grandkids are. He knows how to find the Hagar's. She has run away. So now let's listen to the incredible way he comes to her. The angel of the Lord found her near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. Verse two, so he reaches out. He finds her. And look, notice the next thing. And here's the powerful. verse sixteen, uh, Chapter 6, verse 18. He said to her, Hagar... Servant of Sarai. Where have you come from and where are you going? To me, that is profound questions. Notice, let's break it down. First, he knows exactly who she is. Almost like he knew his social security number. You know, I know your ID. I know who I'm talking to. I have come to find, is she here? Hagar, the servant of Sarai. Which tells you that he was intentionally looking for her. Isn't it so beautiful when Jesus interrupts our lives? And by, his, by the Holy Spirit, the Father just says, Richard, Castile, son of Phoebe, I know who you are. I know who you are. And I've come to find you. Of all the millions, millions of little Hagar's in the world, he found the one that was the servant of Sarai. I love that. And then the question. Here, here is the great therapy question right out of the Scriptures. Where have you come from? And where are you going? I find that question, we all need to ask it, be asked it. Because in life, we tend to run. <laughs> That's what we do. We, it's the way we have to protect ourselves, we run. And I want to tell you, every, every one of us, I'm, I'm confident in saying every one of us, have either have or are now running from something. It's amazing how many times, in fact... Pastor Rich and I were talking the other day and just sharing some personal experiences now that we're more older than 30 and just talking about the moments that God sat down and pointed out to us. I'll interpret it this way and, and said, you're still running from that. You're still running from that. What are you running from? In fact, now you're running. Where are you going? It points out part two is... I'm not really sure what I'm running for and I have no idea what I'm running to. That is lostness. That's emotional emptiness. That's living confused. (laughs) And, you know, it's interesting that in our generation and in the church generation, I think the word purpose has been used more probably than almost as much as grace. The grace of God and the purpose, the purpose, the purpose, the purpose. Which I'm not I, I think is a good thing, but it tells you what that addresses that many of us are not living knowing where we're going. Because we're running. And, and he just says, <laughs> Hagar, where are you coming from? From an abusive situation, if you must know. And where are you going? I haven't a clue. I haven't a clue. So that that tender interaction in itself obviously is healing there's a healing to this it's like god who who is here he knows i'm here he's aware of me he he found me and and he's he's making me ask these deep questions do i know where i'm coming from do i know what i'm running from what what is it you're running from and do you know where you're going And she says, I'm running away from my mistress, she answered. I know that part. I know what I'm running from. (laughs) Isn't it funny that we often know better what we're running from than what we're running to? And she says, I'm running. And and so there seems to be, and I I just want to underlie that there's this healing that is happening. And in fact, this is the sovereign work of God. That often when, if you're hearing a question from the Lord. It's a healing question. His questions heal. Because they're like the light turns on. And in that question, you stop for a moment and you go, I am running. Yeah, and I'm not sure where I'm going. And so there's healing that happens. He says, and so the Lord just says, honey. Uh, he didn't say honey in the original text there, but I threw that in there. Uh, for all the teachers i don 't want you to get like what doesn 't say honey in there. Uh, Greek honeyo honeyo is in there okay anyways, uh, he just says, uh, "Go back to your mistress, which is a powerful word to say to a slave who just run away from her mistress. But I want to put this this is my view of this, and that is that God is so confident of his healing. That he immediately gets you moving. You know, I mean, Peter found that. You know, Jesus, we see it in, in physical miracles. Oh, you're lame and laying here, you crippled? Now get up and walk. No big to do, like, I'm now healing you. It'll be six months of walking therapy for you. It's no, get up and go. Tells to the woman caught in sin, go and sin no more. Just go. Why? He is so confident in His healing. Let me just tell you this. Jesus has no doubts about His ability to restore. No doubts whatsoever. It doesn't even enter His mind. Oh, can I restore you? Wait a minute. That's pretty big, your problem. Well, it'll take a while. No. He goes, okay, we got a problem. You give it to me. God starts working on it immediately. And so much so that He just says, you can go back. You can go back. Now, you know if you know anything about her, you know this story kind of repeats itself later when she has her child. But this is the first time. And he says, you just go back. And here's an amazing thing. He says, you go back, submit to her as those to say, I'll take care of you. You go back, it's okay. You can go back. And, and I'm not saying that every answer to God is, because some of you are going, oh no, you're not going to tell me to go back. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that God will tell you where to go. Because he's healing you. Because he's restoring you. And he's not going to send you back to what you can't deal with. Because he trusts his healing power in you. You you catch that? It's as though you can stay in that relationship. You can stay engaged with that. And now you'll handle it now because you're different. You're different. It's amazing how God will change us. And, you know, sometimes the answer is, let's just get rid of our relatives. Right? Lord, I, I just pray that you bring reconciliation to this family by removing them. And that's when he says, no, you can go back Thanksgiving. You can go back. You can go. What he's saying is that I'm going to work in you that you'll have the right boundaries. You'll have the right attitude. And you will be different. You can go back because you're different now. You've had an encounter with the angel of the Lord. In fact, it's so powerful that notice what happens. He then gives her a prophecy, and it's like Abrahamic. It's big. (laughs) I will so increase your descendants that they will feel too numerous to count, numerous to count. And and he gives her the promise that her offspring also will have descendants. I find that so remarkable. And again, I think these are like stories that God, I, I think God created illustrated sermons for us. These stories are like illustrations that God takes your what you're running from and turns it into a promise. In that, he says, oh, by the way, do you not see what I want to do with you? Do you not see what I want to do with you? Uh, Dan mentioned that I've been involved in a lot of prophetic ministries and Given a lot of personal prophetic words, and what I hear the Lord do over and over and over, give incredible promises. And I, people who hear them, and I'm given some of them, and I'm just saying, whoa, you know, oh, that's just a prophetic thing. Say, oh, big, say big, fat, wonderful things to them. You know, God's going to do this, and you're going to do that. And that's not what it is. It's the Lord looks at Sarah, uh, Hagar, and says, honey. Can't remember in the Greek, honey, Hebrew. Honey, Hagar, I've got vision for you. You're, you're hiding away by a well. You think your life's over. No, 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 no. Let me give you a glimpse of what I want to do with you. What I want a legacy I want to leave through you. Of what how you're going to impact the world around you. That is phenomenal. And it shows us that when God restores, He restores direction and purpose, and he restores promise and hope. So here, here's verse 11. Now this young lady is remarkable because she has a, she picks up immediately through this, something miraculous has happened. She has had an encounter with God. She has already changed. And some of the things you see about her is... Um, this, the, verse 11, is, it says, uh, You are now with child and you will have a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. The Lord has heard your misery. Again, if you're in misery, if you're in a bad place, if you're the Hagar that's don't know where, you know what you're running from, but you don't know where you're going, I want to, I'm praying that today would be a divine encounter day in which you meet <laughs> the loving Father, the Holy Spirit that loves you and is finding you in your misery and restoring your heart, giving you purpose, giving you promise so that you can go on and be the person God called you to be. And verse 13, Here's, a, I find this as remarkable as the first half of the story. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. She gives this name to the Lord who spoke to her. That is amazing. You are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. I love that, of, of so many wonderful titles and names of the Lord. I think Hagar's is like so amazing. It's like, the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. I was looking it up, okay, what does that it really mean? The, where I can come is that the most fundamental root word is the God of sight. A God who sees everything. But the context and the application is, yeah, He's a God who sees, but it's not just ambiguous, I see the horizon. I see you. I see you. You see me. It's amazing. That is why the well is called Bir Lahiroi, the living one, my seer. It is still there between Kadesh and Beresh. Now, how do we know that he was called the God who sees her? Because the God who saw her made sure it got in his scriptures. Which tells you this. He liked the name. Come on. How many here have names that you weren't given at birth? One of my very special names... Is Papa. That's what my grandkids call me. I love it. May it go down in history. Richard Papa Castile. Come on. What, what does that say about the heart of the Father? There are names that you accept because the people that gave them to you are so special to you. And I see that here. This whole scene is so tender That even makes me want to, like, get wet eyes. You know, it's, it's just, how tender can God be? Finds the servant girl that his heroes of the faith, who will show up in the Heroes Hall of Fame later on in Hebrews, those people are messing with this young girl. He has to intervene. And he finds her. Doesn't talk about them except go back. Just go back. Doesn't excuse them. Doesn't explain them. Doesn't justify them. Just says, I love you. I know you're lost. I know you're trying to run away. And I'm going to give you purpose. I'm going to give you promise. I'm going to give you hope. You're going to be different. Go back. And I'll be with you. And so when she turns around and says, I know him. I know who that is. I don't know his name. So I'm going to call him Papa. I'm going to call him the God who sees me. And he says, I like that. He wants us to know him that way. I want people to know that. In fact, I always find a way to work it in. We have 17 grandkids. See how that just fit right in the scriptures? (laughs) 17. Oh, the verse 17. 17 grandkids. Oh, and two great grandkids. Why? because it's so important to us. That's how God is. I want you to understand if, if I, I wish I had adequate words to make it clear to you that you need to understand how important you are to God. that what you call him matters. Your relationship with how you view your relationship to Him, matters to him. That's why he loves when you worship him, when you talk to him, when you cry with him, when you complain to him. He loves all of that. Because he's the God who sees you. And it's quite possible you may have your own phrasing for who God is to you. The power of this. I'm just going to read you some scriptures and Psalm 31, David talked about Psalm 139. For you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely. That's relationship. That's relationship. Proverbs says a man's ways are in the full view of the Lord. And he examines his paths. Psalm 121, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And then I love verse 5. He goes on and says, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from harm. He will watch over your life. He will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. That's the God who sees you so i'm going to ask the worship team to come and uh, as we close and i just want to send here's my applications to this my call my charge stop running in fear stop running pause at the well (laughs) let let the lord find you ask him to find you you're running from something you're running from abuse, you're running from misunderstanding, you're running from your own failures, you're running from something. If you're here and you're listening to this, uh, and and uh, could I just speak out to you if you're running? The Lord would ask you, what are you running from? Let me heal that. Let me restore that. Let me give you a new purpose. Let me give you a new direction. So... Stop running in fear. Turn to the Lord no matter how dark the time is. No matter how difficult it is, no how long it's been. Just turn to the Lord. What what did we mean by turning to the Lord? Turning to the Lord, just it's just you you give him the problem. You you say okay, okay, I'm, I'm carrying this. I've been carrying it so long and I can't solve it. I don't know how to run. A, I can't run fast enough or far enough. Or I just say, Lord, I give it to you. I give it to you. That's that's turning it to the Lord. God, I turn to you. And if you do that, then you'll find rest in the Lord. Rest in the can I just say it? Resting in the Lord means that you trust that He is dealing with it. You, he, you know, in fact, there's a whole teaching on it. Hebrews explains that the writer of Hebrews that those who rest have ceased from, have ceased from their labors and are trusting in His labor. I don't have to worry. He's taking care of that. Just Rest. But most of us, or many of us, are micromanagers. Right? We give it to the Lord, but then we watch Him. We send Him emails regularly. We point out things that He ought... Did, well, Now, do you remember that? Now, how many know that it's sometimes it's hard to delegate? And you go... Uh, a, 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 a few months ago, I, my, one of my youngest grandsons were responsible for mowing my lawn while I was gone. Three sprinkler heads, a broken trimmer later. It's a little difficult to not micromanage that. And between you and me, if I can be really honest, I asked my son if he was sort of like micromanage. But I want to tell you, though, when you turn it over, like if I had turned that over directly to my son, I wouldn't even have thought about it. Because I trust His capacity. So just let me tell you, you can rest when you turn it over to Jesus. Because you can trust His capacity to do it. His ability to do it. And His willingness to do it. And whether you feel it or not, He's already will start changing you. He's already changing you. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And may you say of him, he is the God who sees me. So as I was praying about this and not knowing what the custom or culture is in the church, I just felt like the Lord said to me that as we closed, I would give an opportunity for two things. More than two, but two specific things. One is for you to just acknowledge in your own heart that you need the God who sees you to intervene. And some way you're the Hagar right now. And as I preach this message, your your heart has said that to you. Oh, wow, he's talking to me. The Holy Spirit is talking to me. And there's some things that need to be reconciled There's some things you need to stop running from and let the Lord heal that. And as we worship, if you feel that strongly, if you say, wow, this was for me, I believe there's a miracle that God wants to perform in your heart. And I'm going to invite you to just come and stand at the altar and just as a way of, just and talk to the Lord. Why why up here? I see sometimes God just calls us out and, I don't do altar calls a lot. I just felt this morning it was very important that, in fact, as I was studying this and praying, since when we first talked about coming here, I felt this message was for someone. There's a specific person. The Lord won't tell me who. But there is definitely a specific person here. Maybe also a specific piece of person watching online. That this, you're the Hagar, the, the The angel of the lord has come to find and if that's you as we're worshiping just come up and what we're going to do is we'll just the prayer team will pray with you and prayer teams can come up i guess as well during that time so lord we thank you thank you father that you see us and you send the angel of the lord to find us and so father we open up our hearts we want to stop running We want to stop running from and we want to run to what you have for us. New purpose, new vision. Father, the hurts, the wounds that we carried for years, you've come to heal them.